All right. So today is February 9th, 2021. We are here on the Contemplative State podcast. It's me, Jesse McKenna. And today we have our guest, our friend Cody, here to chat with us about ego death. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, um, Cody, if you want to introduce yourself and just share a little bit about yourself with, uh, with the listeners, then we can get into the topics. Yeah, thanks, Jesse. So my name's Cody. Uh, at this current, in this current phase of my life, I'm an engineer. I never like to say like I am an engineer because it's something that I think is really fluid. That you know, I hate it when we define ourselves by our careers. So I am performing engineering at this point in my life. Um, fun fact about me: I, uh, for a short period of my life, was a professional trick rodeo roper, and I used to do that when I toured internationally as a roper. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's, uh, that was what I did in the prior phase of life. And now I'm doing engineering and, and a little bit of photography. So I kind of like go all over the board. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah hopefully I that was fun. That. Hopefully that fact was fun enough. I want to hear more about that sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, cool. Another podcast. <laughs> yeah, yep. another podcast for another time. Um, <laughs> awesome. Well, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Um, and as I said before, today we are talking about ego death. Uh, and we're going to kind of, jump our jumping off point is going to be what the hell is ego death <laughs> what does this even mean asking the big questions yeah yeah exactly what does that mean to the world um so mckenna would you like to share your interpretation of ego death first yeah <laughs> let's see <laughs> it's just i mean i feel like every single topic we cover i'm like it's so big i don't even know where to start um but I do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share, I wanna share like my experience with ego death as my kind of like explanation of ego death. Um, because I feel like 2020, I died like a dozen times, I think. <laughs> like the way that I, the things that I identified with, the aspects of myself that I felt were really important, a lot of those things sort of fell away in 2020. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who can identify with that, who can resonate with that. Um, yeah, and so I feel like ego death, ego death is like an aspect of ourselves, basically like no longer having the driver's seat. So the way that I see it is like this identity that I really uh, identify with, like, uh, for example, in high school, I was a volleyball player, right? So like in high school, like my identity is I'm a volleyball player. And ego death is sort of this process of, it's like, I feel like there's this tension that you feel this like pulling away from it of no longer like resonating with that piece of yourself, or no longer like finding that it's not actually serving you and like where you want to go. Um, and it's like this process of shedding, shedding those different aspects. So like letting go of the fact that like I may not identify as a volleyball player or um, letting go of the fact, like letting go of the attachment to the bad feelings about living at home <laughs> and just coming back to for self, I would say. Coming back to this like truer aspect of ourselves. Yeah, no, I love it. How did that sound? <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, I I would um I would define ego death very much the same. It's like the the ego is 
uh, I believe a product of our mind, you know, our, our, our mind computer that's up there, like generating and filtering through information and like doing all the work. Um, but the, what my, through my experience with ego death, like my experience has been that you kind of, you, like you said, there's a tension that's created, but like, it's this, this falling away, this like releasing of, uh, like who you think you are through your mind so that mm-hmm. you can come into alignment with who you actually are through your heart space. Like yeah. I, I always talk about it as like um, the difference between our ego and our spirit is our, I am presence, right? Like <clears throat> the ego is like a, is a formulated presence. It's the way you perform in the world. Like, I love that you said that Cody in the beginning about you're performing as an engineer currently, but that's not who you are. Right. And so I, I see ego death as like, we are, have been taught to function through our ego, to perform through our ego, through, you know, what, what our job title is, you know, what, what roles we play in the world. Like I'm a, you know, I'm a podcast host or I'm a healer or I'm a teacher or I'm an engineer. Like that's what we build our foundation upon. But in reality, that's not, that's it's like shifting sand because it can continually change. But <clears throat> we also see ourselves getting stuck, getting stuck in these, like I have to be this thing to make it in the world or I have to do this to survive, which is all fine and well because the ego is the aspect of survival. Like it, it creates a, an illusion of safety so that we can feel safe. But true safety comes from that I am presence that is eternal and um, is always. Like it doesn't fluctuate. It just is what it is. So for me, the, the ego death is definitely this like disillusionment of, of who we think we are and coming into alignment with who we, who we actually are in our soul. Hmm. It almost sounds to me like based on what you both said that the, the most concise way to put it is it's kind of like the um, comparing like the external versus the internal and kind mm-hmm. of breaking down those barriers and, and figuring out who am I internally beyond all these external factors and things that you've learned starting from childhood and, you know, and going all the way back as far as you can remember, a lot of which is subconscious. So it's difficult for us to even say like, oh yes, like I define myself as an engineer and therefore that is my, you know, that is my ego. Um, I think there's so many things that we're not even aware of that are a part of that. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. It's, you know, I guess what I was going to throw in there from my perspective is kind of looking at it a little bit more biologically, I've been really interested in learning about the default mode network in the brain and um, figuring out the correlations between the DMN and the ego, I think have been really interesting. So, you know, like building those neural networks, those patterns in your brain to run as efficiently as possible throughout the day, you know, as a species, it just makes sense. We have to be efficient with our processing power. And uh, I think the ego is also the manifestation of those networks that have solidified in their patterns over time. So it's so difficult to break out of those. And that's, that's a big part of it for me, I think. It's like, I, I'm a very analytical person. <clears throat> um, and my first experience with ego death was one where I realized that uh, for me, I actually wrote, I was looking at my, my uh, trip journal a little while ago. And my first experience I wrote, ego death isn't what you thought it was. It's not about analyzing, it's just about being. 
And so that was like my takeaway. Um, and then I had another experience later on that was, that was much stronger. And I feel like it was so strong. It was even out of the realm of talking about analyzing versus being, it just put me like on a different plane, <laughs> but, um, I, that was my first take on it was like, Oh, whoa, I get it. Like, it's just all that fades away and you just exist for whatever you are, you know, mm-hmm. outside of your layers that you've built up. Awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. So <laughs> this is like a, a, a like question that's coming to my mind is like, so does, how do I word this? Like going out of the analytical mind into like the being presence, right? Like is one more true than the other? Like is one more authentic than the other? Is one, I don't want to use the word better I, I think, necessarily. I think they're just different states of consciousness. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there was like a, a message that came through earlier today when I was in session with a client and it was like talking about how, um, oh God, what was it? Every, like it's all important and none of it's important. Like we're important, but we're also not important. It, so it's like when you say like different states of consciousness, like none is better than the other. They just all are what they are. So, and, and like, I want to preface too that when in talking about ego death, or the ego in general, I, I would never claim that the ego is a bad thing. It can just be programmed to not serve you. You, like, you can be programmed in a way that like, you're not, you're not able to um, move forward or you're like stuck in these habits that like, don't make you feel good. So yeah. really it's, it's essentially about like ego death is all for like taking you through that process to get you into that more efficient state of consciousness so that you can, um, perform at a different level you know but i think i think as a counterpoint jesse um too much of anything is a bad thing in my mind right Mm -hmm. it's all about moderation so the ego might not inherently be bad but if we're going around and i feel like we are as humans (laughs) the 99 percent of us like if everybody's locked into that analytical um ego driven side they're really closed off to what makes a whole and rounded human being you know yeah hundred percent. Thank you for throwing that yeah. in. That's definitely it. Oh, yeah. oh, too yeah. much of anything is not healthy. Moderation right. is all. Right. <laughs> right. Strength yeah. and diversity. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, I feel like ego is like, and this is kind of how I'm interpreting this is like the ego is like a tool, right? But when we like treat it as like the one and only, which I totally agree with you, Cody, I feel like, I mean, our, our whole kind of like society is, is set up to use the mind as like our one and only authority or our one and only like source of truth or, or like knowing, Mm -hmm. you know, we like start to kind of like abuse and like overwork this tool instead of like stepping back and realizing that we have like a whole assortment of tools to use. Right. And and it also becomes so fragile and defensive. Like I remember um, (laughs) there was this conversation that I was having with my dad and it was like a little bit, uh, maybe like six months after I'd had like my first experience with psychedelics. And uh, I was talking to him and I was kind of explaining this all to him. And he's like, yeah, but uh, this analytical mind is what provided, you know, a life for this family and an income. And I'm like, it's so difficult, um, I think, for people that are like completely driven by the ego to even imagine a different state of consciousness. Like whether you get there through psychedelics or meditation or practice or self-reflection, whatever it is, it's like, um, it was even difficult for me to really imagine what that space was like before I was forcibly introduced to it. (laughs) (laughs) that's fair yeah this is um I'm glad that you just said that because 
I mean, the, the main reason why we got on this topic is because all of us have experienced ego death through psychedelic use. And I think in talking about tools, <laughs> um, just like you said, like psychedelics or meditation, like there are ways that we can break out of this. Like, I, I like, I mean, I like what you said at the beginning here, Cody. And I remember um, reading a line from Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, where it talked about how we get into like habits. It's kind of like, um, like riding a sled down snow. And it's like every single time you take that same path, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And so like at some point, you know, the walls of snow are above you and you can't even see like any other way to do it. And we have some tools at our disposal to help us like smooth over that snow, you know, to help us just like, even just for a moment, experience something a little bit differently and make us go, oh, maybe there is another way to receive. I think Pollen calls it like shaking up the snow globe. Yeah, kind of yeah. resetting, yeah. right? Cool. And I almost think that another analogy that kind of goes like a corollary to that one is, um, thinking about it like a door to a different state. It's like, you know, my experience with psychedelics showed me that there was a door and beyond that door, there was a whole different way of being and understanding, but I didn't even know where to look before that experience. And if I had known where to look, I wouldn't have understood what was behind it. And it's just kind of understanding the general frame of, oh, it's this space. It's like, I was telling McKenna uh, last time we talked that I, I just could not fathom um, that meditation and self-reflection and breath work and whatever practice you have could take you to the same space. Like no, no way, no fucking way. Because I can tell you that I've never like flown like through a symphony hall on like the string of a violin, like as it's playing, like I, I I've had these crazy experiences with psychedelics and it's like, I, I can't imagine being in that same space just through meditation, but I understood it because during my last psychedelic experience I really focused on breath work and kind of meditation and being present during the experience and it changed everything for me and it made me understand oh there is other ways to to get to that space definitely wow. <laughs> but either way like once you get there you kind of know the path right it's like it's like being transported to the top of the mountain understanding what it's like to be there and then then coming back to earth and saying okay how can I get there throughout little changes that I make in my daily life to live more to that ideal you know Oh, that's so cool. I, I want to just throw in there because what you said about how like we never could comprehend that like meditation or breath work could like get us to that same space. Mm -hmm. I kind of had that experience after I had my ego death when I was um, psychedelic, using psych psychedelics. Um, I, I did a breath work like exercise um, in, a, in a community that I'm a part of and the, the breath work itself like made me go into that same state that I was mm. in when I was uh, having my psychedelic experience. And I like, wow. while it was happening, I was like, this feels oddly familiar. And I was like, cause I started to have like the same kind of panicked feeling that I had when I was going through my ego death. Mm. Um, and I was like, wow. Okay. I'm, I'm like, I, I, I started to tell myself that like I was safe, that like mm -hmm. I wasn't actually dying that I was just experiencing a shedding of a layer of a part of myself while hmm. I was breathing because I was having like the same physical feeling. I, like I, the feeling that I had was like that I was like dropping 
like that yeah. was falling and I was like whoa this is crazy like the, the floor was like bottoming out from under me wow. and I'm like, going down a slide or something you know like um but I, I just find that really interesting because that was the first experience that I had had since I had had my psychedelic experience hmm. that I was like wow okay, this is the same thing. This is like mm. doing, this is having the same effect on my energy body, on my physical body as that without having to um, use the psychedelic and to, to have that experience. Wow. McKenna, have you gotten to that point in Pollen's book yet where he talks about, um, I think, I'm not sure if he was exploring LSD or psilocybin. I don't remember which one, but he basically drives out to this rural area and he'd been having some, heart issues. So he decided to skip like the first day with the shaman that was there. Uh, they recommended doing like a little bit of MDMA and like connecting with like this person before they guided them through the trip the next day. And he didn't want to do it because he was concerned about his heart. So he did deep breath work. And he said he had like this incredible like hallucinations and like different state mm -hmm. of consciousness. And he very easily achieved that in that setting for the first time in his life before he had even taken psychedelics. So it, there really is something there, but man, it takes a lot more work. It's not the fast lane. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. <Yeah. clears throat> I feel like we should preface too uh, about the use of psychedelics. <laughs> McKenna, McKenna put it very eloquently before. Um, just that like, we're not just saying like, hey, go out and do drugs to have an ego death. Like that's not the, 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 um, lane that we're in. Um, mm -hmm. at, le at least I say that for myself. I, I feel like we all are kind of resonant in that. Like, yes, the use of psychedelics can be very helpful, but you have to be in a state of integrity when you're using them. Um, I like for me, when I, when I got to be intentional, yeah, very intentional. Um, when I chose to use psychedelics for the first time, I knew why I was using it. I planned it like to be with people that I knew who knew that I was going to be using it, who could support me. Um, and I, I planned, like, I was like, I'm doing this because I want to have an ego death. I want to accelerate my, um, my path. Like I want to just get there because I know that I need to bypass, like I need to get not bypass, but I need to release a lot all at once. And so I just want to preface that, like, if you are interested in using psychedelics for this purpose, there's a lot of places that can support you. I highly encourage you to do your research. Don't just go into it willy-nilly because it is a very, um, I don't want to say exhilarating, although it is exhilarating, but it, it, it can be a very powerful experience. And if you're not um, prepared for it and have the intention for it, um, it, can, it can dislocate you, I think, a little bit. I don't know if you guys feel that way, but if you're not like going into it with like the right kind of, intention it can it can throw you off a little bit i think yeah and i'd say not even just the right intention but also the right intention and um the willingness to let go of control because yeah. if you're not ready to kind of just like succumb to what lessons that you know are there um you're gonna have a bad time <laughs> yeah yeah you yeah. have yeah. to you have to really re be ready to face yourself essentially mm -hmm. and the things that maybe you've been wanting to avoid um you have to be prepared for that for sure because it does show you some things that you don't want to see or you know that you're like I didn't know that mm -hmm. about myself or I I was in avoidance of that about myself you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um I do want to throw out real quick that 
I believe we have like a resource or something that we'll link to. Um, yeah. With this podcast. So yeah, we're not like, so we're not like experts on how to do this, but there's like some good resources <laughs> so that you can do it integrity in integrity. Um, I want to talk about this whole like letting go of control thing though, or, and this like, um, like seeing that, seeing like ugly things, like seeing what you may not have wanted to see within yourself. Um, well, yeah. Okay. I think I'm, I'm most interested right now in talking about letting go of control. And I want to know, like, why do you guys think it's so hard for us to let go of control? That's a very big question. <laughs> I think it's kind of the same question that we're asking, you know, like, what is ego death? Where does it come from? I think, mm -hmm. I think the um, drive to control your surroundings is very much rooted in the ego because, yeah. you know, I, um, The Power of Now is a great book by Eckhart Tolle. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, but it's Tolle or Tolle. But um, it, it really kind of drove home for me that um, the ego and manifesting, kind of like getting lost in projecting the future or living in the past. I mean, they're both not reality. Right. The only thing that's real is this moment right now yeah. and living in the future and living in the past. They're just a place to perform those ruminations and those projections, which is entirely ego driven. You know, you're not using any of your senses. You're not in the present. It's a different space. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of forgot. I lost track of your question there, but <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was too much in the present. Yeah. Yeah. Completely in the present. Um, I just want to throw in there too, in regards to what you said, Cody, um, this idea that we're, oh my God, I'm getting like so thrown off. I feel like there's so much energy coming in around this conversation. Um, okay. Come back to me. I'm going to, we're going to have to come back to me because okay. it's coming in. With Hard reset. McKenna, yeah. can you rephrase that question? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'll just, I'll just answer my own question. Cause I already kind of had an answer for it. Let's do it. You're throwing your, you're throwing yourself softballs. Is that what you're telling us? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to know your guys' thoughts as well. <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like this whole, well, what just came to me as you guys were talking is like, I think in a sense, letting go of control is death because like it comes back to like control is, is like you said, it's within like our mental body, you know, it's within our mind and it's like, in death, right, or in, in letting go, it's this acceptance of, of not having control, of like not, and, and I think what it really is, is that we've been so conditioned to feel like control gives us safety, and since we're only trusting our mind in this like society of ours right now, if we don't have control, I'm not safe, I don't know what's going to happen to me, like there's no I think like the reason why we have such a hard time letting go of control is because we don't have this underlaying level of safety established. Yeah. I would take it even further too, McKenna, like letting, you know, not having that control means you might not feel safe. And I think not feeling safe means that you could be exposed to things that are painful. And so I think that mm. control, like control itself is to avoid pain, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. I just want to throw this out here because it's coming in again. Um, somehow I know this is related that um, I've heard it said that the root of all fear is our fear of non-existence of death itself. So yeah. um, 
And then McKenna, you also said, I'm really having a hard time like formulating sentences right now. I'm so sorry, you guys. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but within that, the, the fear, like this fear of death, it's like you said it with the survival, like the ego is essentially there to keep us safe. It was, it, it, mm. it does its job in helping us survive. Right. But we're, we're kind of transforming now from this state of needing to survive to like being able to thrive. Like we're, it, it's, it comes from like the ancients, you know, like they were surviving and having to find food and protect themselves and like, you know, do all this stuff. So it's like, it's almost, it's natural to have that tendency, but we are evolving out of that space to need to survive, to need to protect ourselves. Um, and this goes like internally and externally too. like the, the, the root of ego death for me and what I see it as is like this, this idea that like we have to protect ourselves because like you said, Cody, we don't want to feel pain. So like, that's what the ego has really evolved into. Now it's not just surviving in the, in the world, like having to collect our food and like protect our tribe. It's, it's a more like evolutionary, um, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but like a, a higher evolved, um, part of our ego. That's like now internally, we feel like we have to protect ourselves emotionally and like, like mm. mentally kind from... of like the next stage of development yeah and, and, and i think go ahead sorry jesse no go ahead i was just gonna say i think we'd be remiss if we didn't at least throw in the uh, maslow's hierarchy of needs into this discussion because you know i <laughs> looking at the looking at the pyramid you know the base you've got your physiological needs your air your water your food and shelter and things like that and then you have your safety needs your personal security and then you've got love and belonging um and then what's let me what's the next i think it's like yeah like esteem, like self-esteem, status recognition. And then that very like last like tip of it is your self-actualization. And mm -hmm. so like, as we, as a species, like we've gotten to a point where for the most part, you know, a lot of us are very fortunate to have physiological needs taken care of, safety. Um, you know, many of us have love and belonging taken care of, esteem, you know, maybe people are working on that, maybe they're not, but um, we're in those last few tiers as a species, I think, where we don't, yep. a lot of us don't have to worry about where our next meal is going to come from. I think that's fantastic. Um, yeah. But now we're faced with this question of who are we if we're not in survival mode? You know, that's ego death. <laughs> yes. Oh, you just hit the nail right on the head. Who are we if we're not in survival mode? Mm -hmm. That's what we're coming to. And that's why like we're shifting from this, this, like mind space into being led from our heart space because who we actually are underneath having to survive like the soul mm. of who we are is in that space the i am presence is resting in that i love that space. and i i feel like i just have to throw this into um the startup that i'm working at we're really trying to build a company that's mission driven because for me like I, I had the choice between so many different career paths, but um, kind of building this company, I wanted something that aligned with my purpose as a human, right? Like the social impact, how do we reduce carbon? How do we make a better life for everybody? How do we avoid all the pain and suffering of climate change and you know these difficult things? And so I decided that I wanted to start this company with that in mind. And because there's so many things to choose from, like as an engineer or designer or whatever, um, 
I just, I'm creating a space where people could say, yeah, this aligns with like what's in my heart versus I'm doing this to get a paycheck. And that's what we're going to see. This, like all these effective companies and organizations that are coming together because yeah, there's a lot of ways to make money now, but maybe you can do it while you're aligning with your mission. And like, that's the kind of people that you want to want to form a new group. Heart, heart centered, sacred economy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what we're talking about right now? We're talking about structures. Oh, <laughs> what? Because <laughs> what? what you're saying is like, is, is building a structure, right? Building a business that's based in integrity, that's based yeah. in that heart space. And it's yeah. not even, it's not even necessarily so important what the outside look, looks like, or you could even relate this to like what the ego looks like, mm -hmm. you know, what's being projected outside of you. What's actually important is the vision. Yeah. Is like is the purpose is what whatever this is that lives inside of us and in our soul or our heart or whatever yeah hopefully we can convert the black soul of capitalism to actually be helpful for people <laughs> on the planet so that's the goal you know take you, you're, you're stuck in a system you might as well take advantage of it and try to do something good with your life <laughs> yeah definitely definitely yeah. oh my god that's so amazing you guys i can't believe it came all the way around to that and also like just uh just to throw it in there um in a couple of days, uh, McKenna and I are doing another podcast with a, our another guest to talk about sacred economy and integrity hmm. in business. Um, and we're really stoked about it because I feel like a lot of people are, especially with the last year that we all went through, are trying to find and or trying to uncover and open different channels of income because we're seeing how clearly one one form of income can be very detrimental if it if it goes away um and people are having to be creative in in finding new ways of of thriving yeah i don't want to derail this conversation entirely but are you guys going to be talking about the triple bottom line idea at all because i think that's so beautiful i have no it's, idea what that it's is it's the triple bottom <laughs> line it's basically like it's a belief that the company should commit to focusing um, as much on social and envi environmental concerns as they do on profit. So it's like you equally weight profit people on the planet when yeah. you're building a company. Yeah. Yeah. That's stuff. beautiful. Three yeah. also just want to throw in there. Cause three, three is like the number of life right now. Um, I pulled up Maslow's hierarchy of needs and it, although the triangle does have five like sections, they divvy it up into three areas basic needs physiological needs and mm. self-fulfillment needs so Dang. he is coming up again what up okay <laughs> that trinity that trinity energy is so powerful Ooh. oh my god <laughs> as so, a photographer yeah. there is literally a holy trinity of lenses and there's three lenses that like encompass this beautiful focal range so yeah there's another one for you <laughs> so amazing so amazing so yeah tune in um to our next podcast as well uh, on integrity and in business, uh, and let us know what you're contemplating in that too. Cody, we'd love to hear what you have to say about that because you're doing it. I'm happy to volunteer my opinions. Yeah. love it. Um, okay. So let's go back to talking more about ego death. I want to talk about that topic of, um, like the root of all fear is based in the fear of non-existence. Um, because I think this is multi-layered. If we're, if we're talking about, let's just relate it to the physical body. I feel like I do that a lot because it's very tangible. People all have a body, so they know what it feels like to be in a body. So 
I have experienced my own fears around death in my body of like not having a body, not being here with the people that I love and like wondering, okay, like what happens after that? Like, where do we go? What, what, what goes? And I've, I've gone through the whole existential crisis of like my own contemplations and uncovering my own beliefs. And I think it can be multidimensional that like, I can believe one thing and you believe another and it, it can all be cohesive, you know? Um, whatever gets you by. But for me, I believe that like, I believe everything is energy. So my spirit itself is energy, my body's energy. So when I um, cease to breathe in this body, that goes back into the collective energy, it doesn't like, mm. you know, like it, it, it doesn't disappear entirely. It, right. it, it goes into that that collective field of energy that we're all intrinsically tied to, like we're all connected through it. Um, and so I guess the question is like, what are the other contemplations of what is death and um, why are we so afraid of it? I think is yeah. the question. I have a really quick little idea that has really kind of stuck with me ever since I've heard about it. And I think it's um, maybe a small part of the answer to your question. It was kind of the idea of let's say you're in a relationship and you're vulnerable for a minute or you express something to your partner and they don't fully pick up on it and you don't feel seen or heard you know that's painful that hurts and the um extension of that is maybe it hurts because to not be seen or to not be heard is to not exist even for a moment mm -hmm. like it's it's to not be recognized and to not be recognized is to is death in its own little way and so like you have all these like little small moments of death or to, you know, not being seen, not being heard um, throughout your day. And it's kind of like maybe we're afraid of the big D death because it is, you know, this like culmination of all those little moments. It's like that, but forever. Right. <laughs> That's right. what we're afraid of. That's what the ego is afraid of. Yeah. And, and when you think about it, like in that aspect of um, having those small moments of pain and like wanting to avoid that we construct realities around through like through our ego through the way we um, identify uh, to avoid that at all costs I mean like look at the the medical system like we're, we're trying to avoid death we're trying to prolong life in every way possible as much as we possibly can and that's the Hippocratic um, Oath yeah. Yeah. And like it, but, but so we've, we've constructed this whole reality around avoiding death and yet we're, we're all still afraid and we're all like, it's like affecting us adversely to have that. Whereas if we can come into a space of recognizing what death actually is, that it's not, um, that although we may not be in these physical forms, there, like we don't cease to exist in our um, I am presence in that in that soul of who we are. It continues to go on. Um, we, I mean, we don't really have the specific details of where it's going or what it's doing, but like I guess it depends on what you believe, as in like the afterlife. But if we're equating this to like an ego death and what happens when that that version of you ceases to exist. So I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on that. <laughs> Taking it right. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I can like bring together these two different topics that you guys are just saying. Cause I think what you just brought up Cody is like super fascinating which is like 
this idea of like the, the observer or the witness or, or being seen, you know? And I mean, my personal belief is like, is, is God, if you will, God created all of this in order to experience itself, right? And I, I think there is something really deeply holy or deeply like natural and like who we are as beings and like wanting to be, to be recognized. And I think that now tying in kind of what Jesse's saying, right? We have this like fear that like when we die, something is just like discarded or it's just like gone forever. And I think, and a lot, a lot of like, um, I guess like spiritual teachers like talk about this is like, is finding that like validation within yourself, you know, is like, is like see, being your own observer, like seeing yourself. I'm not just, when I have an ego death, it's not just like, okay, goodbye volleyball player McKenna, see you never. <laughs> it's like volleyball player McKenna now becomes part of like, of like the high council of my wisdom right like she comes back into like my soul which is like contains all possible aspects of me and helps me like gives me the wisdom to like move forward you know like it's this it, it's like this this loop that we complete for ourselves hmm. it's a cohesive circuit yeah. I, I had a friend who recently had a uh, um a very powerful experience just like you were mentioning McKenna you know like God just decided to create life to be observed you know um she had this experience of being like the first spark of consciousness like floating in this you know black nothingness forever and and she was like well if I'm here and I'm infinite I might as well create life you know and and like experience that because there's nothing else to do in this infinite expanse <laughs> right so it's kind of like a big game <laughs> Yeah, don't even get me started on the matrix of it all. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother podcast. We don't um, have time for that today. We so say it, that it, all the time. It, it almost sounds like to be dead is to not have anybody to observe you. Like, like the condition of life is that you are observable, right? Mm. <laughs> I, it's, almost yeah. a, it's almost like how we, like in the ego aspect of it is like how we're coming from that space of how do I want people to see me? Right. It's like, this is the, this is the, the face I'm putting on because this is how I want to be seen, or this is how I think I need to be seen to be, to be seen, you know, like this is how the role that I have to play to be seen rather than who, who am I here and how can that be seen? Mm. How can we dissolve living with authenticity? Yeah. yeah. How can we dissolve all these masks we wear because we think we need to, to be seen, to be loved, to be, you know, embraced. Whereas we, if we can come to this space within ourselves of this is who I am, let me be seen. Yeah. That's a whole different energy. It's a whole different ball game. Yeah. I think the world's a, <clears throat> you know, for a large part, it's a, it's a scary place and it's a painful place. And I think that if it's something like, it's almost like everybody has to do it for it to work because if you go out and you're vulnerable and you know, you've know you got your vulnerable pink belly exposed throughout your day-to-day -day life, like you'll get totally steamrolled. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, how do you live intentionally, authentically and with vulnerability in a world where those traits are taken advantage of, you know, by and large, that's the difficult question. Yeah, I, I love that. Thank you for, for, for bringing that up because it is true. And I think, I feel like I see it as 
when we begin to like begin to have an awareness of our ego, of the ways that we identify and like we come into the space of like wanting to be more authentic and wanting to be seen in our authenticity, that awareness itself begins to like shift things, right? And I personally, in my own experience, have recognized that, yes, it's not just safe to be like, hey, world, here I am, you know, like, see me. And then you get bombarded with like, you know, hate mail or something like whatever it is, like people like are offended by you or they want to hurt you because they themselves are, are triggered by your authenticity. Um, mm, I like that. That's actually a really powerful phrase. Like <laughs> they're triggered by your authenticity. Yeah. Like just to kind of soak that in. Yeah. And um, we get, we get to this point where we're recognizing that we want to be able to become authentic. And my experience has been that you find the right people to begin expressing that with to, so that you can get comfortable in mm. that authenticity as you're shedding these layers. It's like a process, right? Like mm. we don't just like shed our whole ego all at once. Like it's a practice just like anything else of like a practice of awareness. And like, for me, my experience has been like, you know, like I feel pretty safe with like my mom, she doesn't judge me, you know, like, mm. and so like I practiced being really authentic with her. And then like, you know, I've met certain people that felt really safe and comfortable. Like, like it's, it's this source, like this space of non-judgment where you're not going to be mm. judged for being who you are. And we see that in the world, like everyone's judging you all the time, you know, but I think once you get to a space within yourself of, um, of non-judgment, like you're not even judging yourself for being your authentic self. Yeah. You begin to, you begin to be able to feel into the other spaces of being seen that are secure, like that wow. aren't going to like give more damage and like make you put up your ego defense again. But like, right. like McKenna is one of those people for me, you know, like I feel completely secure being exactly who I am at all moments authentic or otherwise and knowing that she's going to you know hold safe space for me to work through whatever I'm working through or be whoever I am and hmm. see me fully and reflect back to me what she's hmm. being and like it really comes down to and I feel like this ties in a little bit of what you said the it's you said something about how like it takes everyone like we can't just go out and if, if not everyone is doing this there's not always a safe space to do it. Right. And, and I, I think that everyone could be, I think that that definition of everyone could be smaller too. Like we're not talking the entire world, but maybe it's your community. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your core group. There was this um, great episode on the Duncan Trussell family hour where he talked about meeting Ramdas and He's like, he referred to Ramdas as a literal love radiator. He just like radiates love from every pore in his body. And I think maybe that's the antidote to this society that's so like damaged and fragile is to go out there authentically and just be that light for people and accept them non-judgmentally. And that's what, you know, helps them. Like, you can't go out there and be like, you should be less judgmental, right? That's a front on attack. It's more like, mm -hmm. I'm just going to love you no matter who you are. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, people respond to that at like a deep level, you know, yeah. and I, I, go ahead, McKenna. I was going to say, like, I think that when you've had your own uh, ego death or like shedding of your layers, you know, you come to realize that like people don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. So like, it doesn't, it doesn't do anybody any, 
any good for me to like judge this person because they're not like self-realized or something or because like because they're judging my authenticity or they're triggered by my authenticity it's like I know because I've been there that like I I was triggered by other people like I can think of so many people who I was so intimidated by and it was totally because they were really in their power and in their authenticity and I didn't know how to deal with it you know mm, yeah um and something else is I think I think as we we meet people I feel we meet people who are on the same level as us so like when we become more of our truest self we don't need to feel seen by people who don't even know themselves because right. it's not yeah. it's not the same you know so it's like I don't really need you to accept me because like because you you don't even like know what I'm saying you, you're not even like speaking the same language as me you know and that's there's no judgment there it's just like an understanding of like okay well I'm gonna find people who like actually actually see me well McKenna I mean that's the entire reason that you and I reconnected it's because like you had started posting things that were very much authentic in your own way. And I really resonated with that. I was like, wow, this sounds like a you know, great opportunity to have these kinds of conversations. But I, I, I think what you said, Jesse, you know, having the right people, the right space to facilitate it, that experience is really critical. Um, I like maybe a couple of years ago, um, my partner and I got really involved with another couple and we ended up in this like very like this incredible space with all four of us where there's like a lot of love and sharing and understanding. Um, and they were really like a lot of the motivation for me to go and pursue this path of like openness and consciousness. And that was actually like the, um, that was the group that I had my first psychedelic experience with. And I remember like, it was kind of like, um, like a cog was pulled out of like the wheels of my emotional processing center. And I just had like all these emotional experiences. And I, and I remember like at first being like really like concerned about like expressing that in front of other people. Cause it was hardly something I could like express in front of myself. But like with those four people, I felt safe enough to like allow that to happen. And it really created like a, like the beginning of a very transformative period for me that they were instrumental in facilitating. So I think it is so much about the people that we choose to bring into our inner circle and how they, how they help us grow and create that space. Yeah. I also, I also want to share um, like what you said about Ram Das and how like you know, he like radiates love and like, that's really what people need. It's like, I feel like a lot of times we're like, because we've been in our ego and trained by the mind, like we go out into the world expecting to be judged, expecting to be violated, expecting to like have people react to us that like when, when we go out into the world with like being non-judgmental of ourselves or other people and just recognizing that, like you said, McKenna, people don't know what they don't know, like accepting that not everyone is at the same place in their journey yet. And like, they, they may not like comprehend things the same way or feel things the same way yet. Um, or they don't even like themselves or they're judging themselves. Like we go out into the world expecting that to happen. But if we, when we come from that space of non-judgment, we go out into the world that makes a shift like people are because they're expecting to be judged by you they're expecting to be harmed or whatever like whatever it is when we don't do that it's like it's like an it's like this like vibration that they're like what is this I know this <laughs> you know like <laughs> I, I love that it's like it literally is like being a loving being you know like ex yeah. going through life exuding love you'll attract others to you in a way that they don't even know why 
right? <laughs> There's like, I, I was having this conversation with somebody that I just recently met actually last time I was in Prescott. Um, and he, uh, like we started vibing immediately. We had a follow-up conversation later and he's asking me to kind of help him and his spiritual teachers set up all their videography things for recording their lessons and sharing them with people, which I think is great. Um, but I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm the most qualified in this specific area to help you. And he's like, man, you're such a high vibe being like, I've never heard that like phrase before, but it really is. It's like, there's just like, I think when you just live through love, you kind of put yourself at a higher vibration and like people are attracted to that, even though they don't know what it is. Yeah. Because love is all there is. Yeah. And we're just caught yeah. up in the illusion that there's other things. Yeah. Okay. Can I, can I, can I drop like a total, like, like, um, like thought bomb here? Like this is this. Okay. Um, this is what really frustrates me personally about organized religion, because like my experience with it and seeing people go through it is they just want a community to feel that love, but it's like with all these extra steps and all these extra like rules. And I'm like, like just living and loving, um, doesn't have rules. Like it doesn't have steps. It doesn't have a framework. Like it's like all of this is just, you can have like little tidbits of that thing you need, which is to live intentionally and with love for other people. Yep. Uh, I a hundred percent agree. I grew up um, in religion uh, mm -hmm. as, a, as a Christian and I'm finding now on my spiritual path that I know that I was in that for a very distinct purpose I'm seeing mm. now it's becoming very clear um, because I'm, I'm receiving information that's like making links between the things that um, I was taught growing up and how I'm learning it now in a totally different context, but it all has the same information. It's all for the same purpose. Mm. Um, and there's something else I was going to say, but it's eluding me now. Um, but, oh, I uh, wanted to say that, um, I study the gene keys and I really love a lot of Richard Rudd's language that he uses in the book, um, describing the certain frequencies and vibrations of each gene key. And I remember reading when I first started that, um, I don't remember which gene key it was, but he said that really essentially, um, nothing matters except for life and love and everything else is just an illusion hmm. yeah okay. it's all a it's all a framework your ego yeah. your religion your occupation mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's ego death then it's to kind of tear everything down and just live through love i think it's to come back to simplicity the sim because really like we make as humans we make things so much more complicated than they need to be and i yeah. think that's where that like chaos and confusion comes in because it's like yeah why are we like, why are we putting all this stuff like right. on here? Like really that doesn't matter. You know, that's, that's kind of like the basis of like materialism and consumerism. And that's why I've really been drawn over the past few weeks, like very strongly to taking a look at everything through a lens of minimalism, mm -hmm. because it's like, what, you know, what can I do to reduce, to live very intentionally and not clutter my being with all this crap that just keeps me pulled down to these base levels, you know, yeah, get totally. it out of here. Yeah. It's like, and, and I just want to throw in too, that it's like, it's not that being a consumer is bad either. Like we, ha we do have to consume, like we consume food to 
keep ourselves alive and water and all of that. Like, but it's about being conscious in what you're consuming, what you're allowing yeah. energy to, what you're bringing into your body um, and into your, just into your field. Um, Cause I've been doing that as well too, just with like, after everything that happened in 2020, I was like re- really recognizing like where I was putting my energy, like financially, what companies I was purchasing from and like how I was having an impact with that choice um, to the greater collective and like how things were going to go. So I like started shopping locally. I stopped buying from corporations, like big conglomerates that don't like really live or work in integrity um, for the well-being of all, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was like my first step in like conscious consumerism. Look for those triple bottom line companies. Yes, I'm going to. That's a whole new world for me. Yeah. Well, I feel like we really just like rounded that out really nicely. (laughs) (laughs) Not feel, I mean, do you guys, is there anything else you guys wanted to cover? I feel, I feel complete. I just feel like we, like, like we say at the beginning of all of these, it's like, there are, everything is tied together. We could, we could talk about this for hours. It could take us down many different paths. Um, I feel like we did ask a lot of really excellent questions to keep the contemplations going and to really uncover for ourselves um, what is, you know, what, what more there is to digest with this um, and for our listeners as well to kind of like follow these threads and see where they lead you, you know, like we, we don't have all the answers. We're just like, we're, we're playing with our curiosity in this as well. And hopefully what we have to share um, is of service to you on your path and helps you come into alignment and deeper awareness and deeper clarity for yourself. Um, so yeah, I feel good. How do you feel, Cody? Do you have anything else you want to throw in the the mix? (laughs) I feel great. I feel like we barely scratched the surface and we need a few more conversations. Well, we, we can do it. We would love that. (laughs) (laughs) Let's plan on it. Ego death extension podcast. (laughs) I'm so glad that you joined us today, Cody. I love having conversation with you. Yeah. Likewise. Thanks, McKenna. Thanks, Jesse. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It was so nice to meet you. Um, Thank you for just adding your, I like to say your juice to the sauce. Um, Sure. And uh, really look forward to chatting with you more on this subject. I think it's going to be great yeah thank you listeners uh get ready for this the next uh podcast um on sacred economy and integrity in business with uh, our friend jessica and we will see you soon